0: Amen. Hey, just to solve some time while you turn there to page one, okay, we're gonna do a recap on world religions, cults, and the occult uh, is what we're dealing with. And of course, we're still in the introduction part, kind of give a little tease of where we're headed there with all the different ones from Judaism all the way down to the occult, okay? And uh, we talked already about the issue of well, wait a second, why are there so many different religions on the planet? How'd that get started? Well, we saw scripturally, the Bible says that the whole world is under the sway or the power of the evil one. Okay, God's still in charge. We're going to see that again, Lord willing, on Sunday. Uh, But we see that he holds the world under the power, uh, if you will, through lies, and he keeps people away from the truth, okay, which is, of course, the Bible. One of his greatest tactics is to keep people away from that book. Why? Because the Bible is the only book on the planet that is the source of truth. You cannot be steered wrong. This came from God, uh, and, and you need to understand it. It's the only book on the whole planet. If you want to read something, please read the Bible, It's the only book on the planet that protects us from the lies and the errors that is out there that is serious stuff. Again, you get heaven wrong, you're going to hell. About as serious as you can get. So you need to understand the Bible. So that's what he does. He gets people away from the Bible. Now, last time we saw that uh, on the statistics of the world religions and the cults, Okay, even though the statistics are in America, 92% of people, they don't have to be Christians, but 92% of people typically own at least one Bible. Most homes have up to three Bibles. But the problem is what happens? People don't even crack it open. They don't even study it. So it's there. And it's, again, it's kind of like the crazy thing in that show X-Files. They're tagline, the truth is out there. Oh, yeah, it's out there sitting on your coffee table, clicking dust. That's what's ironic, okay? Oh, no, it's over here. It's a secret thing. I haven't you seen the History Channel. This No, this religion. Oh. No, it's right there. But the Indies trained us so good to look everywhere else but that one book, and it's for a reason. Then we saw that there are, unfortunately, the status of the world religions and the cults out there, they are growing. We took a look at Islam, and the main reason why it's growing isn't so much because it's such an incredible intellectual treatise and just really wins you over by its logical arguments. No, it's a very violent religion. We'll see that when we get there. You and I, the Christian, the evangelical true Christian, and the Jewish people are infidels, and they are under a charge to kill us. That sounds harsh. Well, that's really what it is. The media won't tell you that, at least here in America. You go and listen and watch the media over in Israel, certainly they are fighting for their lives because these people are out there brainwashing the kids from Wehi to kill all the Jews, the infidels. But it's not just the Jews, it's you and I, the Christian. But again, we'll get to that. So they're growing mainly because of population. Man, they're having kids like you wouldn't believe, okay? As we saw by 2030, over one-fourth of the planet will be Muslim just by birth. That's how fast they're growing. We saw that last time. But not only to Islam, we saw the pseudo, okay, the pseudo uh, Christian groups, okay? In other words, false fake Christian groups. And we saw that the reason why is because of a of 2 Timothy, we saw it says that in the last days that you're gonna have a rise of apostasy, right? And I love the phrase, or if you guys recall last time, it says the, the, the lack of the church teaching the Bible, Christians studying the Bible, you and I reading the Bible, okay, and, and the church studying anything and everything else but the Bible, but, you know, secular psychology, pop psychology, stories made up, and a bunch of baloney, okay, it's, the, quote, the cults are the unpaid bills of the church. This is what has provided a groundwork for cults to flourish because there's nobody out there saying, no, that's wrong. No, this is the truth. No, this is what the Bible says. Christians today, most people going to church don't even know what the truth is. And we saw the scary statistic last time is that 49% of pastors in the United States of America do not have a biblical worldview. One out of every two pastors right now of churches you go to, they don't have a biblical worldview. Now, can I translate for you? They don't know basic Christianity, the pastor. Now, the problem is that spilling downhill, as we saw last time, 93% of professing Christians don't have a biblical worldview. Why? Because you're not getting it from the top. Spills downhill. This is what's providing this uh, platform, this foundation for the seeds of these pseudo-Christian groups. Because people, by and large, they're going to search for something. And the enemy's right out there. Hey, try this one. Try that one. Try this. And they get hooked right up into it. And that's what we see today. Then we saw, well, there's some reason why. What's the differences between world religions, cults, and the occult? And typically, you don't have to memorize everything about them, but they're usually going to go off in five areas, foundational things. They'll splinter off into secondary issues, okay? And when we get into each individual topic, we'll probably deal with those. But by the way we talk, here is where they always ultimately, you mess with this, you're ultimately going to end up into a false religion, a pseudo-Christianity, and or a cult. Always. Number one we saw was the source of authority. What's our source of authority? The Bible. You get out of the Bible, or even if you say you have a Bible, but you really don't follow the Bible, you say, God gave me, or he told me, or I had this vision. Creepy ground, because that's outside the Bible, right? If you listen more to man, okay, remember the quote we saw last time? No, actually, it was Sunday at the sermon. Remember William Tyndale? The guy says, we would do better to listen to the Pope's words than the word of God. People still do that today. They listen to the word of man more than God. And once you get off of that, you're going to ultimately push it and go into error, into falsehood, into a cult or a pseudo-Christian cult. Because, folks, have you noticed that there's a lot of folks out there claiming to be Christians? (laughs) Yeah, we're going to get to that, hopefully. All right, now that's your source of authority. You get that wrong. You're going to get it wrong. But it's also the nature of God, the person and work of Jesus, the nature of man, and the means of salvation. Those are your five pillars that typically are signs you're going into a cult if you get these wrong. Now, ultimately, what I would say, it's not just these five. Where do you derive the true nature of God, the true person and work of Jesus, the true nature of man, and how in the world do you get to heaven? It's from this one. So once again, yes, the enemy's out there, and he messes with people's minds on who God really is, who Jesus really is, who we really are in our desperate need of a Savior, our depravity, but also how to get to heaven. But listen, where does all that spring from? Right here. So isn't any wonder that, man, read that newspaper, get on Facebook, I don't care what you do, grab the Reader's Digest, watch TV all day long, just don't get in the Bible. Do you think that's by chance? You not only don't discover the truth, but when lies come your way, it's like, yeah, yeah, I guess so, Right? And that's what we saw last time, okay? Now we're going to get into, that's right, can you believe it? Page four. We're cooking now. I almost got a flame on my finger, Rita. Friction, something going there. Studying world religions and the cults, all right? Many people use the illustration of the Treasury Department employees. Studying only real money and not any counterfeit money as a model for not studying world religions and cults. I believe we talked about this in our discipleship study. You're thinking, well, they should know every single piece of counterfeit thing that there is out there. Well, actually, what they supposedly, they say that they train with is nothing but the real deal. And they're so, they smell it, they taste it, they feel it, they whatever, and they look at it and here's what it is. And and you think, well, how's that work? Well, if you think about it logically, uh, then when you're so used to the real McCoy, so to speak, then when a false one comes along, you smell it a mile away. And that's what they do, and that's what he says, okay? This illustration appears to make sense because it focuses us on the truth. Using this approach alone allows us to discern truth from error and good from evil, okay? Clearly, we must be well-grounded in the Bible. There is no substitute for handling accurately God's word since it is the only thing, underlying that, the only thing that will equip us for every good work. And he quotes there, 2 Timothy 3.16, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a workman, who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Why? Because what we just finished up, if you don't know the Bible, guess what? You're going to get these wrong, and or when lies come, you aren't going to know the difference. You have to be a student of the scripture, right? It isn't just to wow somebody in Sunday school class or get that column in jeopardy. It is to protect your heart and soul. And by, my, I add, when you do share God's truth, that you're really sharing God's truth and not propagating error. Okay, let's continue on. Unfortunately, this approach alone okay, may leave many Christians in a position of being unprepared to defend the truth against the lies of Satan. So basically he's saying, yeah, we need to get acquainted with the truth. We need to get so reliant on the truth and understand the truth that we could smell air coming a million miles away. But at the same time, it doesn't mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. Right? Do you guys remember where that saying came from? Are you serious? Man, this is almost as bad as the Greg... Don't make me show the cone of silence again from Get Smart. Right? If I had my facts, right? the baby with the bathwater back in the day, that they'd have one basin that they'd use all day for washing your hands or dishes, whatever... Okay, and typically the baby was the last one to get the bath to use the water. Okay, but by then it was pretty dirty. So if you weren't careful because they had to empty it every day, you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's close in prayer. That's the only thing you're going to remember tonight. I know it's true. You're going to repeat it. Work. Well, you'll learn a Bible study. A baby with the bathwater. What's that going to do with the Bible? I don't know. It's funny. Let's move on. I'm humbled. Uh, unfortunately, this approach may leave us uh, Christians in a position to be unprepared uh, to defend the truth against the lies of Satan. In addition, this is not the pattern we see in the New Testament. What did we just finish? How many weeks? 27? 20? Who's counting? I am. Uh, 27 weeks, uh, defenders of the faith, right? Intro to apologetics. Why? To give a defense for the hope that lies within us. We need to understand at the same time, right? Not just get acquainted with the truth, but where are these guys coming from? And this is what we see in the scripture, he says, in the New Testament. The apostle Paul turned to somebody and said, we made it. We made it to a blank. the apostle paul is your mic there paul okay was familiar with the religious customs and writings in the cities he visited right he understood the false religious ideas and was able to listen teach effectively and directly against them and we see that in the scriptures in the new testament the heresies of gnosticism mysticism and asceticism okay And Paul dealt with that. He had a working knowledge of that, and certainly with the Greek culture and that nature. But as Christians, we know that all truth is God's truth, and therefore there's nothing to fear from learning anything that is true. The major problem is error masquerading as truth. But unless we expose ourselves to other points of view and learn to analyze arguments, we may never learn to recognize error, and we may have more to fear from naivete with regard to error than we do from clear knowledge of error that we recognize as error. I almost started saying, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck on that one? I said, whoa, Peter Piper picked a what, something? Anyway, size error, in case you're wondering. Okay, we need to understand the truth uh, is what he's talking about there. Okay, and again, I wouldn't say just for us to protect us from error. I would say when we're witnessing, because this used to be one thing that used to bug me to no end. And this is why, over the years, why I have taught consistently Uh, And preach consistently, even here at Sunrise, on certain issues. Like, hey, how do you know God exists? Or how do we know the Bible came from God? Or hey, if God's so loving and wonderful, why is there so much evil and suffering? You know why? Because those are good questions. And I'm sorry if you don't get equipped, not just with the truth, but why these people are asking these questions and from what angle to go. You need to know the truth. But you need to also have a little bit of a working knowledge to what angle do you go from. Because what used to bug me was the Christian, I don't know. Because the Bible said so. And praise God for that. I hope you respond to that, and I hope you can defend that. But I'm telling you, it's a lot better when you say, "Well, you know what? Yeah, the Bible says this, whatever." But you know, also, if you think about this logically, it's because the apostles say so, and Jesus says so, and archaeological evidence—Are you aware that evidence says so? And scientific data and the statistics and what? Hey, that goes a long way. And that's what I'm saying. It's not just to protect us from error. We got to understand so we can have a working knowledge to know where these people are coming from, and so by the Spirit of God, He can direct us where to go. Does it make sense? So now we're going to take a look at some of the sub, if you will, sub-religions that are out there, okay? And what you're going to see is these are all offshoots, okay, offshoots of the five major, five major uh, world religions, at least as classified by the scholars. Okay, let's take a look at that. Uh, World religions. Generally, scholars classify uh, five religions as world religions, and that would be Christianity, Judaism, Islam, number two. That's right, two blanks. Wow. Hinduism is your blank there, and Buddhism. However, in recent years, several other religions have been classified as world religions, uh, and these are generally religions with three million adherents worldwide. But what you're going to see is basically a lot of these are, if you will, sub, and what they are is they're offshoots or splinters from some of these five, okay? And if we get that far, hopefully, and this is why I want to Uh, uh, get there through this section is because believe it or not we're going to see all these things with Sikhism Confucianism Taoism etc you're going to see that they are offshoots of like Hinduism uh, Islam combining this a little bit of that and so you have all these splinter groups coming off these major ones the ones that's not mentioned here what I want to share tonight as well uh, is the one called uh, Christianity did you know there's a ton of offshoots of Christianity and they're not true and it's my contention that the American church is flooded with these offshoots, but they get lumped into as the American church. And boy, I tell you what, when scripturally you understand how to recognize these fake phony Christians with all due respect, it, it's, a, it's, it's an opener. And frank, and frankly, it's a, it, uh, uh, an eye-opener uh, to the non-Christian that who maybe you're witnessing to. Because I don't know about you, but it was such a major Light bulb moment for me when I realized scripturally that that did you know we talked about this a couple weeks ago Did you know that not everybody who goes to a church is a true born-again Christian? Did you know that I don't know the heart whatever but the Bible gives us certain parameters if this is what they're doing Saying acting behaving. I'm sorry. I didn't say it. God did they're fake And that explains some things because when you first get saved and you go to in church, you see some what? Unchristian behavior now we Christians unfortunately We know we can still blow it. Can't we? Yeah, but guess what? Maybe the reason why they're acting like a non-Christian is because they're a non-Christian. But we go in with this naivete. Hey, going to church service, everybody must be saved. Certainly the pastor. Not today. And see, the world needs to hear that. Let me repeat that. The world needs to hear that because that answers a lot of questions. Because the people you witness to might have, quote, tried church. But they went there and they got so stinking burned, they're so turned off. Well, did it ever dawn on you that maybe... That was an apostate church. Or that person you ran into you, I'm not condoning it, but they did the nasty deed to you that turned you away. Maybe they weren't saved. That's what the scripture says. So we'll deal with that. Hopefully we get that far. But let's take a look at that. Sikhism, right? And you have no choice. Once you hear that word, you have to seek it out. I knew that was coming. Sikhism, a religion based uh, mostly in Punjab province of India. is your next blank there. We're blanking out now. Uh, that attempts to blend Hinduism and Islam. Notice it's a blending. you got your got your core ones, the five big major ones, and now you start splitting off. They're splitting off in this faction there. Where, and did you know Christianity does the same thing, right? you got the church of the no robes. you got the church of the black robes. you got the church of the green robes. you got the church of the half robe, half pant. you got the church of the no. Well, hopefully they got pants on. But anyway, you got all kinds of different churches, right? You say, or the church with the green carpet. No, the church, we do this. No, the church, we stand. No, the church doesn't have instruments. No, this one has it. It's the same thing but anyways uh but anyway so that's what he says islam the movement is based on a vision Uh uh-oh what's their source of authority and you're off target here you go a vision and subsequent teachings from founder nanak in the 15th century a.d disciples are called sikhs and they follow the one true god called uh, satnam or true name the main scriptures are contained in the Granth Sahib, or the Lord's Book, compiled by the Guru Arjan. And salvation is used as, listen, merging with the universal force, as in pantheism. Pan meaning all theism, theos, God. All is God. And so that's how you get saved. You become one with the universe. Have you heard that? Have you seen it? That's all over the place. That's in cartoons. That's in just about everything, right? Okay, and that's the whole... Where does that come from? It comes from this. Now, what's interesting, you're going to start to see... When you study uh, world religions, cults and the occult, you're going to see all of a sudden you go, uh, oh, I didn't know that, where that came from. And it's going to start popping firecrackers off in your head because you, oh, that was on that sitcom or, or that's what they said on that TV show or that movie. That's what that, Wow, I didn't know because you didn't know this. You didn't take the time to understand this. But I'm telling you, it is out there big time everywhere. Okay, but if you don't know it, you're going to be duped. So that's why we're studying Confucianism. An ancient Chinese ethical and philosophical system originally developed from the teachings of early Chinese philosopher, the Great Confused One. It focuses on uh, human morality, theory of you got that, and good deeds, right? Confucianism is a complex system of moral, is your blank there? Moral, social, political, philosophical, and quasi-religious thought that has had tremendous influence on the culture and history of East Asia, okay? Is what we got there. Taoism. It's a Chinese philosophy teaching that there is no personal God. Okay, no personal God. All is the impersonal Tao, uh, similar to the impersonal God force of pantheism, of Hinduism. Uh, the Tao is composed of conflicting opposites. How many of you guys have seen this in the movie out there, wherever it is? You see this little symbol, and it's got the little thing, and one's white and one's black. The yin the yang that comes from Tao. That's everywhere. People get tattoos on, whatever. They wear it, put it on necklaces. You have any idea what you're promoting? No, no it's cool. Well, this is where it comes from. Right, the yin and the yang, which should be balanced or harmonized. Listen to this: through yoga and meditation. Oh, there it is again—that yoga word. Everybody says, "Oh no, it's just physical exercise." No, it's not. No, it's not. What you just told me is apparently you don't even understand the roots of yoga, and you don't understand yoga. And it's not just Taoism; Hinduism is big on it. Okay. And as he says there, he follows it up. What did he just say there? He just said, "Listen, it's not just yoga meditation to what promote what physical wholeness, spiritual. It is a spiritual exercise." Through yoga, yoga actually, as we talked before, and again, we're going to get deep into that one because it's invading the church. And what's invading the church is Taoism and Hinduism, Eastern mysticism through yoga because we've been schnookered thinking, oh, no, it's just physical exercise. No, it's not. There's a spirit behind it, and there are different ways to get your body into an altered state of consciousness. We're going to see one over here using drugs. That's a classic easy one, but so is repetitive speech, repetitive movement, okay, and also certain physical postures and movements. You actually can work yourself into an altered state of consciousness, and yoga is one of them. It's a classic practice. The the people over there in the Far East, they admit it. That They do this to commune and connect with the gods, the deities out there. That's the demons, but somehow they come over here and repackaged it. No, no, it's just exercise. Same thing with meditation there. Meditation with breathing techniques, that's another way that you get into an altered state of consciousness. Been there, done that in New Age. That was an easy technique with breathing, exercises, and things of nature. And I don't doubt that you have an experience. I don't doubt that you don't see a vision. I don't doubt that you have a spiritual experience. It doesn't mean it's from God. And this is where the stuff is coming from, okay? According to the legend, Taoism founder Lao Tzu wrote uh, Tao Te Ching, The Way and Its Power, about 550 B.C. His teaching was developed and spread in the 3rd century B.C. by Chuang Tzu, uh, whose writings empower the Tao Seng, uh, 1,200 volumes of Tao scripture. Somebody better give me a piece of gum when we're done. For I made it through that without one flub. Of course, I don't speak Chinese, so you have no way how bad I butchered it. But let's move on. Uh, Jainism, <laughs> uh, page 5, whoa, A real religion uh, began as a reform movement of what? Hinduism, again, it starts out with the core, but what happens? Eventually, you just like what happens. No, nope, we're going to be the church of no-robes. And same thing. No, nope, we're going to have this blend of Hinduism. Out pops another one. enemy always wants to confuse you with a multitude of choices. Anything. There's a hundred of them out there, but only one's right. <laughs> right? And that's what he does. Right? And here's how this started. Uh, Mahavira. Uh, here's what he says. Denied. Is your blank there? Denied. Okay the existence or worship of a supreme deity and taught enlightenment through strict self-denial and non-violence. okay? And his uh, way there. Now, later, the problem is uh, followers deified Mahavira himself, calling him the 24th uh, Terhankara, the last savior teacher, who descended from heaven without sin and with all knowledge, okay? So the guy basically started out and says, no, nope, there is no supreme guy, and what did man do? We'll worship you then, hmm. Shintoism, okay? Ancient polytheistic, poly meaning many, okay? Uh, Theistic theos, many gods is what that means. Polytheistic religion of Japan that focuses more on Japanese culture, traditions, huge in the Japanese culture, traditions, attitudes, and ideology rather than a system of doctrines or code of ethics. The roots of the movement are obscure but eventually developed into the idea, listen to this, that Japan, unlike other countries, was uniquely fathered by the god Izanami, uh, whose consort, the goddess Izangani, or whatever, gave birth to the Japanese islands. That's a big old baby. <laughs> big baby, right? And, uh, but anyway, so the, consequently the concept evolved that the Japanese people, listen, are divine and superior to other humans. Wait a second. Of all peoples to link up, in World War II... How in the world could the Japanese people link up with Adolf Hitler? I don't know. You study some religions and even what Hitler was into. He was into occultism, a, a right? Witchcraft and all kinds of weird stuff. Okay, but he also had a belief system. Okay, with evolution, and he believed that uh, in the Aryan race, that the German people were superior. What's the culture of the Japanese? Oh, so it's kind of like a natural slide. Very interesting. Maybe that uh, may, is why it was so easy to make that pact. All right? but he continues on. Okay, in one form of the religion, okay, uh, they felt they were superior to other uh, humans. Okay, the state Shintoism, the Japanese emperors were seen as what? Infallible descendants of the gods, like a Caesar worship, or like how Hitler was basically worshiped. Right, and again, you can see why the two uh, could quote coincide together. Okay, once you understand their background. Today, a devotion centers around public shrines and home altars dedicated to ancestors, okay, and gods. Necromancy, trying to communicate, worship the dead, things of that nature. The Bible forbids that. The sun goddess, Amaterasu, not to be uh, confused with that dessert, tiramisu. Yeah, let's move on. You try making this funny. All right, it's chiefly deity worship, okay, is the the chief deity worship. And uh, belief in kami, a form of spiritism, is also maintained. Now, we got one uh, from Iran, and this is uh, Zoroastrianism, and this religion was thought to be founded by 600 BC, around there in Persia, i.e. Iran. According to legend, Zoroaster received enlightenment by the Dayatia River, when at the age of 30, he received, uh uh-oh, there it is again, vision. How did Mormonism start? Joseph Smith got a Vision. Same thing today, folks. But here's what, now listen, this is what I'm going to say. We're just, we're just getting started. Okay, now you're going to say, oh, are you serious? I never knew that. Right, here it comes. Get ready. All right, so he received this vision, of Vohumana, the good thought, and took him into the presence of Lord Ahura Mazda. I wonder why they use that name. Well, if you understand the religion, that's right, Lord Mazda, taught Zoroaster to drive an RX-7 and impress the ladies as he... Oh, I'm sorry, wrong translation. Uh, Lord Mazda uh, taught Zoroaster the true religion. Of course it is, right. right. Rejecting magic and idol worship and promoting belief in heaven and hell and a devil called Angra Manu, right? Which started because one guy got in a fight and the guy says, man, that man, he's an Angra Manu, I tell you what, you must be a devil, That's as good as I can do on that one. But anyway, so, uh, and the one true God. Okay, later followers, however, worshiped. uh Uh-oh, here it is again. He tried out to, they end up worshiping the guy. Uh, And they, however, worship Zoroaster in uh, addition to Mazda. Uh, Good Lord Mazda and evil Angra Manu uh, are seen as equal in power. We'll get into this later. Uh, Did you know that Star Wars teaches a very good religion? In fact, George Lucas admits that's exactly what he's doing. Right, with the good and the evil and the balancing out of the power. And you're going to see it's a blend of, with things of, of Buddhism and things of this nature as well. And he admits it, that it was a creative platform to promote his ideals. And did you know that a lot of people believe and actually even look at the Bible like, well, here's God and here's Satan? And I just, the, excuse me? <laughs> there is no yin and yang and there's no balancing out of power. God is so, Satan's like a little tiny, he, he's not even the dirt under the flea's leg. You ain't not compare it to God, right? God is the creator. Satan is a created being. I'll be at fallen. He's powerful, but nothing like God, right? But see, that's how people approach the Bible, isn't it? Where'd they get that influence? Star Wars. Where'd that come from? From this stuff. I'm telling you, it's going to start firing off all kinds of stuff, and you're going to see how much all these false religions, Satan's a master of deceit, is blinding the minds of those who do not believe. He'll use school, he'll use just the religions themselves, he'll use people uh, in lack of understanding the Bible, he'll use the media, he'll use Hollywood, wherever he can, and that's what he's doing. Let's continue on. So that's why he's seeing equal in power. Teaches enlightenment and salvation by what? Works, including fire, worship, and partaking, here it is, in the hallucinogenic haoma, or soma in India, for those of you wondering, in case you visit India, apparently. So, uh, excuse me, what did they use to, to commune, to uh, partake, and to, quote, worship and, 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 and have enlightenment with the deities? Drugs. I have said this till I'm blue in the face, man. Been there, done that. Wish I did not buy the t-shirt. Everybody thinks, typically teenagers, young kids, even adults that still do it today, you think by taking drugs, you're just, hey, just having a good time, entertainment, leave me alone, right? No, you're not. Read the same thing. Start, even with marijuana, Right? Indians used to use peyote, very similar stuff, mescaline, all that stuff. It's, and these guys, even this, is when you're, you're getting your brain into an altered state of consciousness. Uh, the mystery religions, if we get to there, uh, they use just alcohol. They just got you into a brain. All, you drink enough alcohol, and guess what? You're going to start seeing stuff, right? It's just going to happen. It's a drug, just like anything else. And so you start taking these kind of drugs, and you start all this stuff. And listen, you're going to have an experience. And we laugh about, oh, it ain't funny. Man, watch watched a video clip today. Of a girl, they, did you know with the Ouija board? They now have an app for the Ouija board. This girl, I saw the video with my own eyes. She was playing with that thing. She got the app on her phone, was doing the Ouija on her phone, and she got infested with a demon. I kid you not, her. She had this guttural roar voice coming out, and she was writing. And she was in a hospital. Of course, they thought, oh, she must be, you know. It's spiritual. You think you're just taking a trip. No, you're not. Understand the religions. At least they admitted that this is a classic way to have a spiritual experience. You better be careful. How about not do it? Okay, but let's move on. The Baha'i faith. Now, this is important. Baha'i faith and what we'll get to, hopefully, maybe someday, start at 18,000, and New Age is helping to prepare the mindset for the one world religion. Just looking at Baha'i, we haven't got to New Age. We got a whole chapter on New Age. This is going to throw off some lights. You go, oh, that's where they're getting this from. Baha'i faith is a sect of what? Islam, again, start from the root, splinter out. Uh, Evolving into a major independent religion with approximately 5 million believers worldwide. Buddha, Jesus, Muhammad, and Baha'u'llah and others are viewed as succession of divine uh, messengers. Can I translate that for you? Hey, Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, You know, they're all the same. They're avatars, great teachers who in succession came to, where where do you think that came from? So, yeah, quick. Yeah. Mm Yeah. Yeah, which is, again, what you need to have if you're going to pull off one-world religion. It's this mindset somehow you can combine all into one, which is a logical absurdity as we're going to see because every single one has a, quote, different way to, if you will, enlightenment, heaven, whatever you want to call it or whatever they call it. But it's not true. Every single one is different. So how in the world could they be the same if every single one's different? It's a logical absurdity. But it's just a feel-good message that's going everywhere, even in the church today okay, is what they're talking about. But let's continue on. He says there, but that's where that mindset is. How many times have you heard that? He says, oh, Jesus, yeah, he's just a great teacher today, but no different than Buddha, Confucius, you know, all those guys. Just, this is where it comes from, okay? And listen, he says this, a 19th century Persian teacher, uh, the Ba, or gate, predicted uh, Baha'u'llah's coming. Baha'i uh, advocates, listen to this, a new global order. What does that sound like? One world government, new world order? And what? What kind of equality? What are we dealing with now? Sexual equality. Interesting. And what's that? A one-world economic system. What does that sound like? Wow. Uh, oh, and, and by the way, to, what's the excuse to put that together to eliminate poverty? What has the Pope been going around saying for quite some time now? And he was just over here in the United States saying the same message. we got to come together to what? Eliminate poverty. Really? I've said it before. I'll say it again. From, I saw this from one guy. Why don't you just melt down that gold throne? Start there, buddy. And you know how many people we could feed with it? Just that? I'll get you a regular chair. How about, I'll donate. Well, you want one of our chairs? I'll give you a pew. I will donate a pew. If you melt that, if you're serious about poverty, you can do something about it. But it's, that's the, that's the feel good excuse. We all gotta come together, right? Etc. Etc. Okay, and that's right, to eliminate poverty, and a, they flat out say, a one world religion is your blank there, one world. And a one world religion, all right? Now, the figure below shows the percentage of adherence to the main world religions and a percentage of world population. This is from 2009. (laughs) You're messing with me. 2009. 2009 CIA. (laughs) World Factbook. And uh, I've noticed the percentage of Christians. Listen to this. This is what's very deceptive, and I wanted to clarify this tonight. The percentage of Christians uh, includes all those who identify themselves as Christianity. Listen to this. Including what? Roman Catholics. Is Roman Catholicism the same thing as biblical Christianity? Uh Uh-uh. Not even close. Again, we got a whole chapter to that. That's a lie. Protestants, that would be you and I. Orthodox, mm, you get some liberal Christianity, which is fake Christianity in there. Anglicans, uh, uh, Christian cult. Listen to this. In this stat, see, it looks like, whoa, we're way ahead. we got 33.35% of the world. No, we don't. No, we don't, because what's all lumped in there? Roman Catholics, Orthodox, Anglicans, and Christian cults like Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and Ruth Act. <laughs> right? Well, what? So to add up to get this 33th member, we think we're in control. No, you're not. So if you actually, and this one I want to finish out tonight with. So if you take the big pie, well, oh yeah, we're yeah we're winning. No, you're not. Hey, what is it? One and a half billion people are are professing Catholics. That's going to reduce your pie. And then you're going to say Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, and you probably got some liberal Christianity, the Orthodox part, Anglicans. So what sliver is probably true? A very small one. What's the Bible say? Remember, we talked about this before. Many go the broad road that leads to destruction, but only a few take the narrow road which leads to life. And even look at current statistics, and if you're honest with the facts and the truth, God's truth, that's exactly what we're going on today. We are not in the majority. Because you, to get that figure, you lump in people that are not Christians. I'm sorry, that's the facts. Okay, now, now, take this sliver. I want to reduce it even more, unfortunately. Because this sliver, even in the Protestant church, I think the problem with the Protestant church is you got fake Christians in here. And I think this is an epidemic in the church. And that's what I want to uh, uh, finish up with uh, tonight. And I wanted to uh, encourage you. Open your Bibles to John chapter 6. Because I want to leave you with how do you spot that? Now, we're not the fruit inspector. Only the Holy Spirit knows the heart. But the Bible does give us some parameters. How do you know somebody's fake? Because again, not everybody who goes to a church service really is a Christian. Any more than sitting in a barn makes you a cow. I love saying that now. I fixed that analogy. it's what right? You got to be born again, right? And so, but guess what? God doesn't leave us hanging high and dry. He gives us some signs to know if somebody's fake or if you will, to use the word a counterfeit, a counterfeit. And again, if you grew up as I did in high school and got turned off to Christianity as I did in high school, because the people that I party with and did the same sinful, rotten things they were doing as I was doing on the weekends as I did. And then on Sundays, if they weren't too hung over, guess where they went? To church services. I'm sorry, it was a revelation to me when I read in the scriptures. Wait a second. I'm not condoning what those guys did, and that turned me away from Christianity. But I didn't know there was such a category as fakes. Yeah, there is. And let's take a look at that. John chapter 6. Okay, you turned there. I didn't. Man, I cracking. Uh, John chapter 6, uh, find verse 60 and you'll be doing pretty good. John chapter 6. This is Jesus speaking. And this is what he says. Jesus lays the gauntlet and he says, there are people who are fake. I didn't say he did. Okay, John chapter six and uh, verse 60. Let's take a look and see if we can get there. He says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? And aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to him, does this offend you? Okay, what if you were to see the son of man ascend to where he was before, i.e. heaven? The spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet listen, there are some of you who, what? who do not believe, and if you don't get that, I mean, he's God, you can fool me, you can fool this church, you can fool all kinds of people, but you can't fool God, and he says this, for Jesus had known from what? Later, he discovered, unfortunately, that somebody tried to pull the wool over his eyes. No, he knew from the beginning. He knew from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him, and he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him, and basically goes on, and he's talking about Judas Iscariot, right? Right? Judas Iscariot is a prime example of somebody who was in the crowd, but he was fake as all get out the whole time, okay? So I want to give you four signs biblically that the Bible says, how can you spot a counterfeit, right? Now, don't take this and go to the other extreme and say, oh, you're fake, you're funny. You Right? I'm not saying that, but by and large, if people are distributing this behavior, maybe that explains their behavior. And maybe sometime, and I told you stories about what I've had to do on certain church boards that I've apart, I've found myself witnessing to the people who were making decisions for the church. Man, are you guys even saved? What's coming? What are you doing? What's coming out of your mouth? What's, whoa, whoa, right? Now, the first one we're going to see is what happens is when people worship, signs of a fake Christian, is when they worship God only uh, with their head, okay? And this is what we see in James, okay? Uh, James, go ahead and turn there. You've got to see it with your own eyes. James chapter 2, real quick. Let's do some flipping. So, you guys ready to flip out? Let's do some flipping. James, James chapter two, verse 14. Let's take a look uh, at what he says here. Uh, he says this, faith and these. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith, but he has no what? Deeds. Can such a faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If, if one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith what? By itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is what? dead. But some believe, well, you have faith, I have deeds. Hey, you show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what? What I do. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that, and they what? Shudder. So according to James, what we see is the biblical truth. I'm not making this up. God is laying this on the line. Not all faith is saving faith. Do you realize that when somebody says God, that's a generic term nowadays. In fact, even when they say Jesus, you've got to go behind that and say, which Jesus are you talking about? Do you got the right one? Right? Who is this Jesus? And the word faith, oh, you've got to have faith. Just got to have faith. I just got faith, faith, faith. Faith in what? Faith in yourself? Faith in the pew? Faith in your leg? Faith in what? Right? What, what, it's, it's a generic term nowadays. And this is what the Bible says. Listen, a, so you can say you have faith. Oh, I got faith. I got faith in God. But not all faith is a saving faith. James tells us that there is such a thing as a dead or fake faith. And this is what he says, okay? If all you have, if you will, is a mental assent of God, right? Because that's what people say. Well, hey, I'm okay. I, I believe in God, right? I have faith in God. That doesn't save you. What did James say? Even the demons, <laughs> of course, they know God. They absolutely, absolutely know he exists. But just knowing that God exists, does that save you? Absolutely not what's that got to do with acknowledging the cross of Jesus Christ that I am depraved I am cut off from God because of my sin. I am a hopeless sinner There's no way I can get to heaven on my own And I'm casting my eternal existence on the work only of Jesus Christ And so when the Bible says to have faith in to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what it means It's not just oh, yeah, I believe Jesus is a yeah. He was a historical figure. That's not salvation if you're Knowledge of, quote, God and Jesus and that is stuck in your head. The Bible says that's a dead faith. It's a dead faith. And I think this is why we got so much a problem in the American church because how many people say, oh, I believe in God, right? I go to church services, right? I try to do good stuff. Doesn't mean you're saved. In fact, I think it's much more common than people think, okay? Uh, And in fact, we even joke about it all the time. Listen to this. There's three country churches in a small Texas town that were being overrun by pesky squirrels. So the first church called a meeting to decide what to do about the squirrels. And after much prayer and consideration, they determined that the squirrels were predestined to be there and they shouldn't interfere with God's divine will. Well, the second church got together. They decided they weren't in any position to harm uh, God's creation. So they humanely trapped the squirrels and set them free a few miles outside of town. However, three days later, the squirrels were back. But it was only the third church that was able to come up with the best and most effective solution. You see, they decided to baptize the squirrels and register them as members of the church. Why? Because now they only see them on Christmas and Easter. (laughs) That joke is so funny because it's so what? So stinking true. Now, the scary thing is when you realize those who are acting like these squirrely Christians, all of a sudden they show up twice a year. But I have faith. I believe... Something's not right. Something is not right. A true Christian is not one who lives for God twice a year, but every single day of the year. John Wesley said, give me 10 people who hate nothing but sin, who fear nothing but God, who love nothing but Jesus, and I can change the world. Maybe the reason why the church isn't changing this world, let alone our country, is because there's so many professing Christians worshiping God with their head, but not with their heart. The second sign the Bible gives us, turn to Titus chapter 1 as they get there. second sign is when they give God lip service. They worship God with their lips, okay? Titus chapter 1. Let's take a look there. Titus chapter 1. And uh, verse 15 through 16. Here's what he says here. He says, To the pure all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, what? Do not believe. Nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. Listen to this. They claim, key word there, they claim to know God. A lot of people laugh. Oh, I know God. I know God. They claim to know God, but by their actions, they what? Deny him. And they are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. So here's another example. The Bible calls it out and says that not everyone who claims to know God really knows God, really belongs to him. And if all you basically do is give God lip service instead of life service, your so-called faith is worthless. And and have you noticed that? Have you noticed this in the political arena? How many times have we been duped on this one? I don't care if it's Republican, Democrat, whoever. I'm a Christian. (laughs) You're not a Christian. Excuse me? Take a look at your behavior and what you're doing and what you're promoting and what you're partaking of. You are not a Christian. I'm sorry, right? Wait till you see Sunday. Just have to talk about what's going on in the current administration a little bit. So just, you know, whatever. So we'll talk about that. Excuse me. You say you're a Christian, but you force people to cover up the name of Jesus Christ when you go speak in certain places. You refuse to be a part of the National Day of Prayer honoring Jesus Christ, but you hold Ramadan dinners at the White House. You refuse to allow, you broke something that George Washington started in 1778 with military Bibles, and that's no good. You say that burning the Bible was perfectly fine, and you justify that, but when the Quran is burned, that's an atrocity. I got a problem with that, but I don't want to give away the Sunday sermon. Let's move on. All right, so here's what he's talking about. Basically this, people, you hear the story hey, you know, you sin six days a week, sin up a storm, but it's okay as long as you make it there on the seventh and Sunday, and you can, that's what's called lip service. And like this, what would this guy quote? He says, Listen, anybody can claim to know God all they want, but they deny this claim by the way they live. It's called being a hypocrite. And it's not just detrimental to your soul, it's detrimental to the souls of others. Listen to this. The, one person said this The number one cause of atheism is, quote, Christians, professing Christians. Those who proclaim God with their mouths but deny Him in their lifestyles are what the unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Something's wrong john wesley he said this they, they approached him and they said hey listen why is it that so many people literally they didn't have cars back then they come from miles come from miles just to watch you preach and he said this it's simple if you light yourself on fire for jesus christ people will come from miles just to watch you burn right christian when we're really a christian and we're on fire for jesus christ what's the scripture say never lose your zealousness If there's ever a period in your walk with Jesus Christ and you're not just as excited in that first day, oh, we might have high times, low times, but if you're losing your zealousness for Jesus Christ, that is not the norm. It's called backsliding. You better be prepared. Somebody's out to get you and choke you spiritually because you need to continue to burn for Jesus Christ. And it is possible because he gives you that ability by his spirit. Never lose your zealousness. But if you have no zealousness for Jesus Christ and you never get involved in the church and you do send up a storm six days a week and the seventh day you somehow punch in your clock and you're good, and you're, going, you're giving God lip service. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. The third one is you worship God with your thoughts. Okay, turn your Bibles to 1 John 2. We already saw this one. 1 John 2. Worship God with your thoughts. Well, you turn there I'll save some time. I'm gonna read it from here. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 and 19, okay, we saw this already a couple of times, but you got to see it with your own eyes. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they didn't really belong to us, for if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but they're going to show that none of them belong to us. So once again, we've already talked about this at least two times, I believe, in this study, okay? The truth that the Bible says not everybody who goes to a church service really belongs to the church, right? It's just this what he said there if you sit there and profess to know Jesus Christ You can sit there. I don't care if you taught Sunday school. I don't care if you served on a board I don't care what you I don't care if you claim to be a pastor I've shared video clips of guys who so pastored for 25 years and they became an atheist. I'm sorry. You weren't saved I didn't say that God did if you walk away from the truth and you go and become an atheist or you go into one of these other false religions, you were never saved in the first place. And that's what the enemy does. He gets you to determine that there's all different paths. Everybody's going to get there you know, in many different ways. That's with your brain. That's not what the Bible says. And so you're worshiping an idol, a god of your making. And that's not what saves you. And you, you can play the game and the shrade, all this, and you could fool, you, but when judgment day comes... Counterfeit, real quick, guy says this. A counterfeit Christian is like a counterfeit $10 bill. For instance, let's suppose you have a counterfeit bill, but you don't know it. You think it's genuine. So sure enough, you use it to pay for some gas. But as soon as it makes its way to the bank, the bank teller spots the phony and says, I'm sorry, this bill is a counterfeit. Now, that $10 bill may have done a lot of, quote, good while it was in circulation, but when it arrived at the bank, it was exposed for what it really was and immediately it was put out of circulation. Listen, he says, so it is with the counterfeit Christian. They may do a lot of good things in their life, but when they face Jesus Christ at the final judgment, they will be immediately rejected. Wow. Can you imagine that reality? You're taking your last breath, and you're expecting to take your next breath in heaven, and it ain't. Real quick, I've shared with you before in the establishment study a lady I actually pastored. Her name is Lori in Northern California. And with tears, I'll never forget when she told me the story. She said, Pastor Billy, I've been serving at this church long before you got here. My family is a pillar of this church. We come from several generations of this family in this church. I taught Sunday school class, I served on boards, I served on committees. When the doors were open, I was always here. She says, but it was only a couple of years ago that I really got saved. And she said, I never knew what it meant to surrender to Jesus Christ. He was just here. I was just into the Christian religion. I didn't know Jesus Christ was my Savior. She said, I didn't get it until one day I realized that uh, the picture she said I had was that I was sitting on the chair and Jesus was down here in front of me. She said, it wasn't until I realized, no, he sits on the throne and I bow before him did I mean, know what it means to be a Christian. She's, but that's not what was scary. What was scary, she says, Pastor Billy, you have to warn people. She says, because if I were to have died during those years, I guarantee you this church would have given me a Christian funeral. They would have said, I went to heaven, and they said I would have been a model Christian. She said, but I would have been burning in hell. Wow. Let's move on to the fourth one, uh, that they worship God. Uh, not only with your thoughts, but here it is. And this is kind of what leads into Lori's story, and that's with a a religion. You worship God with a religion, not a relationship. And this is Matthew 7, so let's turn there one more time. Matthew 7, this is one of the eye-opening, popping, convicting, whoa passages from Jesus. Okay, Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23. And the whole context here, he's talking about the narrow gate, the wide gate we already saw. The right way, the wrong way. Unfortunately, most people choose the wrong way. A tree and its fruit. He's talking about how do you speak, you know, one, you sit there and say you're a tree, but you don't put forth any good fruit, bad fruit. I'm sorry, you can't be that. There's some fakes going on. And then he gets into uh, this issue here uh, in verse 21 is what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So does that mean we're saved by works? We've got to do something to get there? No. When you're dwell at the moment of salvation, you're dwell with the Holy Spirit of God. He seals you for the day of redemption. Our salvation is free and clear 100%. It's all based on the work of Jesus Christ. But you cannot be the same person when you're dwell with the Holy Spirit of God. His job is there to not just seal you for the day of redemption, but he will convict you of sin. Which means I'm not saying, including myself, I excuse me, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes, right, just like the rest of us. But listen, sin should bug you. You cannot sit there and say that you're Christian and continue on, and there's no conviction. Then something's wrong, because the Holy Spirit will convict you when you get. Out. Anybody knows that? Right after you got saved, and you're still doing your habitual things that you do, and all of a sudden it's like, oh. like where where'd the oh, 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 come from? That wasn't there before. The Holy Spirit's convicting you. He's leading you into righteousness, right? But he says this. So not everybody who says that. It's not that you're saved by will. You're going to follow the Father. It's just a natural thing. All right, And then he continues on. He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Notice what they were saying. They didn't say, Lord, Lord, we trust in the work of Jesus Christ. Lord, Lord, we are depraved. We are cut off from heaven. We're doomed straight to hell. i have only trusting in the work of Jesus Christ. And I believe that he rose again from the grave, and that's how I'm getting... What came out of their mouth? And notice it wasn't, I, I was a hard worker. Uh, you know, I took care of my family. I tried not to beat the dog. Uh, I did... I was a good American. <laughs> no, what, 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 do you, what came out of their mouth? It's religious things. And if you look at every single one of those, prophesy in your name, drive out demons, perform miracles, you can do all those things and they don't have to be a Christian. The scripture talks about counterfeit miracles, right? Antichrist is gonna use them in the false prophet in the last days on a grand scale. Drive out demons. You hear people all the time, Catholic priests driving out demons, What? think that demons wanna give people uh, a false uh, uh, idea that they somehow have the power when they really don't, they're very deceptive, right? And I think sometimes God's gracious to people who call upon the name of Jesus Christ. Who may not be born again, but he protects them because he honors the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. Prophesy, excuse me? How many people today prophesy this or prophesy that? Or guide? Doesn't mean you're a Christian. So they're trusting in religious deeds. Now, here's what's scary. He says this, Then I will tell them plainly, listen to this, I never knew you. Notice he didn't say, I knew you once, but you lost your salvation because you can't. It's secure in Christ. Praise God. Otherwise, none of us would get there, myself included. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So Jesus, once again, lays down the gauntlet, and he says this time, not everyone who says Lord, Lord really belongs to the Lord. And if your so-called faith is just based on pious religious deeds you're in a heap of trouble how many people do you know who literally think that they're going to heaven because they go to church services because they became a member no they, they got dunked in water now is it good to go to church service is it good to become a member is it good to be baptized of course but that doesn't save you has there ever come a point in time when you've truly bowed to knee before Jesus Christ and you're trusting only in him and his work on the cross? He took the death penalty for your place, and that's the only work you're trusting in, not your own. And if you haven't done that, if you're trusting, him, well, I try to be a good person. I put up with Pastor Billy's corny jokes every week. That's got to count for something. Pray for my wife. and hey, kids. No. Many people who claim to be alive in Christ are still dead to Christ. And they're headed for a horrible reality. I didn't say that. Jesus did. Now, you look at all those parameters. And we already had a small piece of this pie. But you throw all this in there, four different ways that people, and these are people who are going to, quote, church services. Dare I say, Protestant church services. How much of a sliver do we really got? Isn't that wild? Many, few. One preacher, he did this. There was a new minister in a small Oklahoma town who spent the first four days desperately calling on church membership and begged them to come to his first services. But try as he might, nobody would come. So he decided to place a notice in the local newspaper stating that the church was dead. And it was his duty to give it a decent Christian burial the following Sunday. Well, this, of course, got the curiosity of the whole town. Everybody turned out. And when they got there, they saw a coffin smothered in flowers right in front of the pulpit. And after the minister read the obituary and delivered the eulogy, he invited the congregation to step forward and pay their last respects to the dearly departed. And without a moment's hesitation, there was a long line had formed uh, because everybody wanted to see what in the world was in that coffin, right? But as soon as each person peeped into the coffin, the strange thing happened. Each person turned away real quickly with a guilty look and got out of there. Why? Because the minister had placed a large mirror inside the coffin Which meant everybody simply saw themselves. If you can't seem to get motivated to really dive into Jesus Christ, if you have to have your arms twisted and begged, bribed, trickery, something's wrong. Something's not right. If you love him, you want to spend time with him. Do you run hard after God at all times or just when things are tough? Does sin bother you or are you complacent? Do you readily confess your sins or make excuses for your sins? Do you long to be obedient to God and his commandments or do you pick and choose which apply to you? Do you long to spend time with God? Do you long to spend time with God's people? Do you long to spend time studying and reading God's word? Has Jesus become your life or is he still just a part of it? Who's on the throne? Lori, have you truly submitted to Jesus Christ? I think we need to be equipped with this truth just as much today as we do with all the different religions we're gonna begin to look at because it answers a lot of questions for us and it also explains a whole lot of things to the lost because what happens if you don't realize this, you will actually apologize to a non-Christian for a very possibly non-Christian's behavior in the church when you could say, listen, I'm sorry you had that experience, but let me tell you something. Not everybody who goes to a church service really is a Christian. I agree with you. That was horrible. That's not true godly Christian behavior. Let me tell you about the real Jesus. And let me tell you about what it means to have a relationship with him. Usually goes over a little bit better. Lord willing, next time, hopefully, we'll get the uh, chapter finished up, and we're going to start talking about uh, some of the characteristics that some people are in a cult, okay, with their leadership, their ideals, because basically it's, it's a similar pattern. And when you start to see people going down these patterns, guess what? You're going to get into a cult and or follow a cult leader, okay? And then hopefully we'll get finally into our chapter two on Judaism. But hey, let's pray. Father, thank you again. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get-A-Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, Let's take a a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, The Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying.